0: This is Shopify Masters, the e-commerce marketing podcast for ambitious entrepreneurs. It's powered by Shopify, the easiest way to sell online, in-person, and anywhere in between. To start your free 14-day trial, visit shopify.com. Hey entrepreneurs, my name is Felix and I'm the host of the Shopify Masters podcast. Each week we put out podcast interviews with successful e-commerce entrepreneurs or experts to give you inspiration, motivation, and actionable tips to increase your traffic and sales so your store can generate the sales you need to live the life you want. On the last episode, we talked about how Woody from FaucetFace.com uses routines and habits to successfully build his business. On today's podcast, you'll learn from an entrepreneur that partners with YouTubers and bloggers to drive traffic and sales to his store. In this episode, you'll learn why showing the behind the scenes of your business can be great content for your customers, the difference between selling to the European, US, and Japanese markets, and how to analyze if a YouTuber will be a good fit for your product and your brand. Today, I'm joined by Thomas Bertrand from Benton bentoandco.com. That's B-E-N-T-O-A-N-D-C-O.com. Bento & Co. brings you the best bento boxes directly from Kyoto, Japan, and was started in 2008. Welcome, Thomas. Hi. Thank you, Felix. So tell us a little bit more about your story and what are some of the most popular products that you sell?
1: We sell some mostly Japanese bento boxes. Uh, We also sell a lot of bento accessories, Japanese kitchenware, typical Japanese Pento boxes in plastic, the one you can use like every day and put in a microwave. And also like a lot of onigiri, so the rice balls accessories are selling very well. too.
0: Awesome. So um, tell us a little bit more about your, your experience. Like what's your background? How did you get into this kind of business?
1: So, uh, so I live in Japan since 2003, but I'm, I'm from France actually. And, and in 2003, I came here to study at Kyoto University for one year. I thought I'd be here for just for one year, but it has been now uh, 13, 14 yeah. years, and <laughs> yeah, I'm still still in Kyoto, and I really love this city. So yeah, just after I graduated, I decided to stay one more year here and one more here, and then uh, I just decided, yeah, if I want to stay in Kyoto, I do not find any good job. I should make make my my own. And actually, in 2005, I started my own blog. It was in French only. It was just about Kyoto, about life in Japan. Uh thanks to my blog I just learned how to use internet. Before that I just check emails and check news on internet. But thanks to my blog I just I bought a, a camera. I did some podcasts too. I I just took pictures of everything interesting I saw in Japan and yeah, talk about life in Japan. And uh, I wrote about 800 eight hundred, one thousand Uh, readers every day, and uh, just people who just like Japanese culture. So I just thought maybe I could do some business uh, for my blog. So it was in 2006, Shopify just came over as a beta of Shopify. I I created an account. At first, I just saw some T-shirts and uh, and other Japanese stuff through my blog on these small Shopify uh, shops. Uh, but it's really in 2008. Uh, at, at that time, I was a freelance writer. Uh, I just yeah, decided to sell bento boxes. I just have like a, uh, <laughs> a call from Doug. God. It was like something. Uh, even now, it's like quite a magical. I just I was talking to my mom on Skype, and she told me, "Oh, yesterday I read this um, article in a magazine about uh, Japanese bento." And just in my head it just pop up. I said, Bento, bento boxes. I should sell sell bento boxes. I like I like food. And uh, I know people on my blog like Japanese stuff, like Japanese culture. So I just yeah, thought I'm sure like Japanese bento boxes will sell very well. So uh, yeah, I had this idea in late October two thousand eight and about two weeks after that I opened my uh, the bento and co.com, the first uh, shops. It was in French only with about ten products at that time, and uh, yeah, that's how things.
0: Studied. <laughs> Makes sense. So you uh, had a blog. So you moved to, to Japan to, to study. You decided you want to stay there. Uh, rather than find a job, you wanted to start your own business. So in 2000, exactly. 2005, you started a blog. So most of these readers were not Japanese, right? These are people maybe from back home or, you know, from, from France or international yeah, from, audience. Yes that was interested in japan because they you know they weren't there and they kind of got to see the world through your eyes so you built up built up this this blog audience and then you know your business mind your entrepreneur mind kicked in and said you know i have an audience that builds i have a lot of you know traffic you know instead of 800 to a thousand visitors a day which is you know a great um kind of um i guess amount of uh, visitors to, to start with and so you knew that you had already had a lot of uh, an audience to work with uh, but then you needed to find something to sell so you were selling just uh, like t-shirts First, and then that, then uh, you to talk to your mom, and then you the guys, uh, or you came up with the uh, the idea of selling bento boxes. So, how did you, um, how did you, I guess, launch this to your blog audience? I think there are other listeners out there that might have a blog that might have a following, and are thinking about the best way to kind of monetize that audience. Like, how were you able to, uh, I guess, launch it to to that audience? So
1: I got the audience, but also what was very important at that time is thanks to my blog i I got a lot of connection both in France and in japan uh in japan i met i met like foreigners who lived in Kyoto or in Osaka and some were web designer programmers I wasn't absolutely not not into this kind of thing so uh, I have two friends here I met through my blog thanks to my blog and they helped me to start the, the first shop. So one was a web designer, one was a developer. And so uh, we just used, I guess, like a free template on Shopify at that time and modified it. And uh, with a friend, we took pictures of products we bought. So yeah, actually, so the blog was not only about the audience and potential cost- customers, but also like connection I got here. And in France, thanks to my blog, uh, which was about Japanese japan Japanese culture and everything about Japan, I met a few journalists because before we came to japan they they just found my blog and they contacted me and say, "Okay, if I'm going to Japan for some documentaries, I would like to meet you and talk about japan uh, so I kept this contact and when I started my shop, I sent like press release to all of them, and some of them were friends who were in p r and that's thanks to them, like I got uh, media coverage from the start in some French magazine and newspaper so yeah for like about three years, I just wrote my book like every day i spent about two, one or two hours every day on my blog, and it was like you know just just passion, just for free and but I really loved it, and I just realized after that that it was really, really helpful for me to to start my show because you know, if you start a web online shop, even if you have great products, I mean, there's no one to buy, to buy them, there's no one to, mm-hmm. to talk about them. It's, it's almost nonsense. So uh, yeah, it, it was really helpful to have this blog uh, since about three years before I started my business.
0: Yeah, it makes sense. I think that that's a really important point is just when you have a blog where you have a YouTube channel, or a podcast, whatever you have, if you have an audience you're building, it's not just the audience of people that are going to end up buying your products, but it's also to all the people that like all the connections, like you're saying, the connections with people that could help you out with building your store, you know, web designers, it was something that you came across, but then also all of these kind of PR journalist uh, connections that you had to help you, you know, launch the business. I think that's a great point that sometimes is overlooked. You know, it's not just about building an audience audience. audience of buyers but you're building an audience of possible influencers and connections as well so so how did you i guess uh, how did you like roll this out you know because let's say someone else has a a blog or they also have like a some kind of youtube channel some some audience they built you weren't just like hey now i have stuff you can buy right like how did you i guess introduce them to the products that you were you were selling did you sell them through your blog or do you have a separate store that you drove the traffic to from your blog
1: Exactly. So my blog was on TypePad at this time. Okay. <laughs> yeah, pretty old. And um, so yeah, it was on Shopify from the start. I have this account from 2006 on Shopify, and uh, I where I sold one or two t-shirts with my blog blog uh, header image on it. That's so, all. So I use I use my uh, Shopify uh, account to start my bento and Co, first bento and go shop. And uh, the thing is, even before the, the shop was launched, I talked about it on my blog, mm-hmm. and I was like really open about it. I said, okay, I got this idea, uh, I want to sell bento boxes, now I'm going to uh, try to get some from some Japanese maker, which was not that easy. Uh, when you are foreigners, you want to buy some stuff from small and medium companies in, in Japan. Uh, where they, they, they don't they don't have any email to contact. You have to send a fax or to call them to, to wow. to get some yeah, products to, uh, things like that. So I talked about everything, and I think like people were like just very interested into like this process how to start a business in Japan. Mm. Like when you are foreigners, it's not only about starting an online shop. It's as a foreigner in a in a like very special country as. Japan, uh, so it, it it was another point I think which made the um, bento and co like interesting at first is, is I'm not Japanese and yeah I'm in the, in this country that many people like so yeah I talked about that and. So it's interesting, I guess.
0: Yeah, I've seen other entrepreneurs do this where they are very transparent and give you the behind the scenes of them starting a business or running their business. And it's, you know, creating content and I think I think um I guess initially when, I, when when people see or hear about this kind of content, you think that only business owners only entrepreneurs will be interested in this kind of stuff, but you found that your audience that that wa- they weren't entrepreneurs that weren't business owners they were still also interested in this in this kind of content about you starting your business
1: yes, exactly, and uh actually I was even some friends who who just like read my blog every day and and they saw me starting this project, and actually two of them, uh, just a few months after that, just said like, "Okay, I'm gonna do the same thing. I'm gonna also mm. sell something online." I'm, so I was really happy, very happy. Like uh, I was like inspiring them, <laughs> even if it was, at first it was like like a really small project with uh, almost no money. <laughs> but uh, yeah. People get inspired, and yeah. I think there's so many people who just want to quit their job and, and start their own, own business. So,
0: Yeah, that's very true. It's, um, it seems like entrepreneurs are a small kind of circle, but I think what entrepreneurs can do is just give inspiration and motivation as well. And that might not be you know starting a business. It could just be starting some kind of project, something on the side, and just being able to see someone have these goals and set out to accomplish them I think everybody can can kind of relate to the motivation and inspiration that comes from that. So I think it's great content, regardless if your audience is interested in starting a business or not. Just kind of sharing your journey, I think, uh, goes a long way to connecting with your, your audience and you know, your prospective customers. So... um was it difficult uh to to start you know I, I know you mentioned that it was difficult specifically to to uh, work with the manufacturers for uh for stocking these or for creating and getting these pencil boxes was it hard also just to start business in a country that you weren't you know you weren't from i guess originally you didn't grow up in like what kind of difficulties came with that
1: so um good thing is i didn't have any visa issue my wife is japanese i was married just like since two months before I started Bentonco so I didn't have any visa issues and um, my wife still works with me in this company now but we have 15 people now Uh, she was here with me from the start and she so she took care of about every legal thing I mean every yeah papers we had to deal with or like to contact also uh, Japanese manufacturers but it was not that difficult and I think like when you before you when you think about i want like to start my business and uh, you think about like is there a legal issue is there like do I need to ask someone if I if I can do that uh, do I need to get some certification or whatever uh I think you just like give you some uh um what break like things uh that make you not Having the first step, like it, it was very, the most important thing was this first step. And when I decided myself to start this business, nothing could stop me. And so I did not have any of this question in my mind, and uh, I knew I just wanted to sell pental boxes online, and I knew it would uh, it will be okay, and I could make money with it. So the only thing that I have to do at first was. Uh, like going to my tax office uh, and uh, just told them, yeah, I'm going to start a business sell online. I said, okay, that's good. And and uh, just give, give us your home address. And, and that's all. And it was actually, that's all, the only thing I had to do. And then, uh, yeah, it was just how to start. So just get some stock and get your uh, website uh, ready to launch. And that's all. So before, because... Every time I some people are asking me about how to start a business, the thing is just launch your products. Even if it's not 100% ready at first, it will never ready actually. You just have to launch it. And, uh, and yeah, that's the most important thing. It's not about like legal issues, about papers you have to, to fill, a form you have to fill. It's about you. Uh, will you start it or not? Right?
0: Yeah, I think that's a really good point about how I think when especially I guess new entrepreneurs that are starting out we uh, tend to think that oh we need permission from this person or this person and we need permission we need to do this and we need to get the privilege of starting a business but what you're saying and I think is 100% true is that you got to give yourself permission you have to give yourself the kind of um, runway to get started and don't think so much about you know what could go wrong and what what I need to do before I can launch and just kind of Get, get the thing get it get it rolling and then as you go along you'll really encounter what you really need to do to to launch the business but if you spend too much time kind of planning and thinking about am I allowed to do this or am I allowed to do that I think that's gonna slow you down like too much. so I think there's a really good point about how you were saying that you'll never be ready to launch it'll never be ready to, to go. Do you remember some things that you kind of had to figure out after launching that that you know maybe you weren't? 100% comfortable with during the, the I guess the very beginning that you had to kind of quickly figure out for your business.
1: Yeah, exactly, it was uh, logics, logistics and uh, yeah, preparing shipment. Uh, it was total mess at first because actually we so we launched the, the we opened the, the shop on November 23rd 2008, and we got the first order like about one hour after that. Wow! Uh, yeah, thanks to my blog and people. You know, at the time but it's not not a lot about Facebook or Twitter. It was yeah, still a lot of the blogs and people read my blogs, have their own blog and they talked about it. Over oh, this guy in Japan who is launching a, a cool shop selling bento boxes. <laughs> so guys very niche market, but I have other people talking on their blog and so I got traffic and we got orders every day since the beginning. Uh and so at first we didn't have any cartons, any to pack orders, so when people like just one bento boxes, we wipe it in some bubble pack mm. and, and, and craft paper and ship, ship them like that. And I guess like maybe 5% of, of, of these like got lost or, or, or like broken <laughs> mm. during transport. So yeah, we, we had to figure out
0: uh, how to do it better. Yeah, that makes sense. So are most of your customers uh, outside of uh, Japan?
1: Yeah, more, uh, 100%. Okay. At first, 100%. The, the website was in French only. Uh, we, we started at first to sell in Euro and not in Japanese yen, and it was a good choice. And we opened a, a website in English one year and a half after that, uh, so the address is en.bentonco.com and we opened a Japanese website in 2011. And we also have um, a B2B website now.
0: Okay, so what, what has been, I guess, the key differences? Because I think that you're in a position that's a lot... I have a perspective that's a very different than maybe a lot of listeners because you started selling to the European market, then to the U.S. market, and then to to the Japanese market. What are some I guess key differences that you found from selling to those different markets? Mm,
1: so on the French and uh, English website, uh, it's we pretty have the same best sellers. It's almost weird, but it's all the same. So, but. Lunch boxes uh, culture is not is not the same in every country. So, like for example, in, in US, in in other countries in Europe, uh, kids have, have lunch boxes at school, right? But in France, not at all. So most of our French customers, we are still represent like about forty percent of our revenue. Uh, they are just like uh, yeah, university students or adults who just want to bring uh, a nice lunch box at at work, uh, but. We sell a lot also in in US and in Australia, uh, mostly moms who want nice lunchboxes for their kids. Uh, so that's the biggest difference we have here with you know,
0: market. Did you do this kind of? Did you do any kind of research before launching into these uh, new markets, or did you find out about this uh, along the way?
1: Yeah, no, no, we we just found it. We just figured understood that after after that. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, but at that time there was actually um. Uh, quite well-known uh, blog about bento, bento recipes called JustBento.com, uh, and yeah, Maki who, who wrote that blog. Uh, helped us a lot to 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 get uh, orders from uh, US and yeah, over English-speaking countries. And uh, yeah, thanks to her blog, we also we learned a lot about like reading the comments of uh, our readers. Uh, was really uh, helpful for us to to figure out uh, what kind of different products we should add on on the website and, and so on.
0: Makes sense. So today, like, what are some of the the key ways that were the biggest uh, sources of traffic? Is it still from these uh, these blogs that you you've built relationships with?
1: No, no, because sadly, um, most of these blogs mm, are not like where um, not. Some of them disappear, Some of it, like they don't work so much anymore. Uh, it moved to some YouTube channel now, or some on Facebook, uh, Facebook group, Facebook yeah, pages. Uh, also, a lot of it from Instagram, we got traffic. Uh, also, a lot of organic traffic, um, and uh, we also like spend uh, money into AdWords a lot, and sometimes also in Facebook ads.
0: Cool. So let's talk about uh, each one of these. Uh, so the the YouTube channels. How did you uh, connect with them? To because these are like like influencers on YouTube that are like reviewing your products or like what kind of people are uh, where are they coming from from YouTube.
1: So yes, we have some customers who review our products on YouTube. Sometimes uh, we have some YouTubers who ask us to send some samples and they're gonna review. And most of the time we we don't do that, but only if we think like the quality of the YouTube channel is, is, uh, is okay with what we want to do and the, the image we want to, to, to preserve, yes, we, we do it sometimes. But uh, there's like a quite famous YouTube channel called Cooking with Dog. They have about one million subscribers and uh, it's, it's a Japanese woman uh, uh, introducing Japanese recipes online. And it's, uh, it's quite fun because she's always with her dog in the kitchen. Mm-hmm. And so we have a, a partnership with them, actually. We, they, they are so famous among uh, Japanese food lovers. Um, they now uh, try to, to, to do something else than only YouTube videos. And so uh, we have a licensed contract with them, and we're going to uh, launch uh, a bento box with their logo, uh, and also chopsticks. So it's something I'm really, really happy to do. We're gonna start next month. Okay, so, uh, so that, yeah, that's the first thing, and I guess the, the biggest thing we're gonna do to, to, as, as a partnership with, um, with uh, a YouTube channel.
0: Yeah, definitely want to talk about your licensing experience in a second, Uh, but let's, uh, about this YouTube channel, I think uh, other listeners out there are thinking about partnering with other influencers, other YouTubers um, to review their products or talk about their products. So what's that process like? Do you, did you, I guess now the the size that you are, it sounds like a lot of YouTubers are reaching out to you Uh, early on. Did you have to kind of find YouTubers and, and kind of convince them to talk about your product?
1: Actually, at first, more than YouTubers, it was uh, so people uh, was bent to blogs. But now, if sometimes they still uh, wrote on their blog, they are more on Instagram or Facebook. So we have about three or four uh, uh, bloggers who just moved to over social media now, and we still uh, have some collaboration with them. So we send them like. Uh, uh, new products, and they make some review of it. Just use them in uh, in a recipe, and they show them on Instagram, on mm-hmm. Facebook, and uh, it's, it's, yeah, it's quite useful for us. Also, like every year since 2009, we do the international chef bento contest, and so every year there's a special theme, and um, we ask people to according to the theme, this theme to send us a picture, a nice picture of a bento, and so every year we also partner with bloggers. More like Instagrammers and <laughs> uh, people on Facebook who uh, have some popular fa- uh, uh, page about, about bento or about, about Japanese food uh, they, uh, they, they, even if they don't ask, <laughs> they don 't ask, ask for money because but they, they like what we do because we we know them since two thousand and nine or two thousand and nine so it, almost like five or six years for most of them. And so they are just happy to talk about us and talk about this contest, especially because every year we, we, we buy a ticket uh, uh, to Japan for, for, the, for the winner. So mm. it's uh, something we are happy to share with their audience.
0: I see. So it's interesting. You're seeing a, a shift uh, from the people that you knew, the relationships that you knew uh, from the bloggers. Now they're migrating over to Instagram, to Facebook, and to YouTube. Is that what's happening?
1: Yes, yes. I think uh, I it's like just easy easy for them to uh, to create uh content mm-hmm. and to get a wider audience, I
0: guess. Yeah, I think that that's definitely true. I'm starting to see that a lot more in, you know, different uh influencers or have different, I guess, uh, a natural interest in different mediums. Like some people like to be on video more, some people like to post pictures more than, than writing content uh, on a blog. So that makes sense. So how do you, um when these YouTubers that, or I guess these YouTubers, maybe new YouTubers that you haven't met before, is there a process you go through to analyze and make sure that they're going to be a good fit for for your product?
1: Yes, exactly. So uh, the experience told us that, um, If it's someone who just reviews a lot of tons of products, uh, it doesn't work. Uh, For us, it has to be first about something about Japan, not only Asia, but Japan and food. If it's not about that, it's not really interesting for us. Uh, Even we we sell bento boxes, and at first, our first customers were... Most of them like my blog readers, so they're interested into Japanese culture. So they they like they read manga, they saw anime and they knew about bento. Uh, but now it's not only that. They even sometimes they really, they don't know anything about Japan. They are not really interested into manga and this like otaku culture and whatever. They just like want uh, nice lunch boxes and they read sometime in some uh, women magazine or some recipe magazine about bento boxes. And especially in, in many in France, also in in uh, in US, there's like many uh, the mainstream, like a not not blog or magazine about Japan, but like uh, yeah, some media for mostly women for about food. We talked about bento boxes, so uh, we got a lot of customers who just don't don't have any interest into Japan, but they want a Japanese bento boxes. So yeah, it's. Um, big change in our audience since the beginning.
0: Yeah, that, that, that's a good point about how you don't want to look for YouTubers that are just reviewing a bunch of different products because the audience is not built around the Japanese culture. You're looking for an audience that's going to these YouTubers because they're you know, talking about Japanese culture, and then it makes a much better fit. I think that's a great, great point because, you know, you're most likely, if you're, if you're if an entrepreneur that is thinking about working with influencers on YouTube, you're most likely going to run into people that are, you know, looking for free products, for reviews, or maybe paid for reviews, and they're not going to necessarily have the audience that, that you're looking for. So that makes sense. You want to find YouTubers that are already creating content that attracts your target audience. But they're not like, you know, only doing reviews. I think that's a, a great point. So let's talk about, uh, I just want, want to talk about the licensing deal in a second, but let's talk about uh, Facebook pages next. You said that a good, a good portion of your traffic comes from Facebook pages as well. Are, is this your Facebook page or other people's Facebook pages?
1: Mostly our Facebook pages. We have about uh, uh, more than uh, 40, 45,000 fans
0: now. Awesome. So, what's your strategy for, uh, you know, growing that that uh, Facebook uh, fan page?
1: Oh, we post at least uh, almost every day, and sometimes uh, six times per day. And we, we have pictures, uh, sometimes video. Uh, lately, a lot of GIF. <laughs> it works very well, uh, more on pictures or videos. Uh, we also some blog post notes on Facebook. Also, lately it's good to have like yeah if it's just about pictures of cute bento boxes uh it, it might work. So you can you, you can get some likes and some share but even i mean you we we also looking for, to create like uh quality contents right so uh to build our image to build our brand and to keep our our brand uh, like where we want to do so yeah we just need to create good contents and uh, not only sharing Things you're gonna see somewhere else. So, like creating original content is something we we try to do almost every day.
0: Mm, Very cool. So, you're, I think the point you're trying to make too is that you're not just posting pictures of your products. You're posting content outside of just, you know, bento boxes. Exactly. So, this original content you're creating. What's the process behind that? Like, what kind of um, original content are you creating, and how do you create it?
1: Oh, so like almost every week we we talk or hear. Uh, with uh, two people who are dealing with marketing here at Bento Co. and uh, uh, we said, okay, we have these new products. And like lately, it was um, we sell also some food, actually, to to prepare some Japanese takoyaki or Uh So we just started to to, to sell some sauce, and um, um, uh, so yeah, we 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 made some posts, and we we talk we talk about that kind of products, that kind of food, and not only about our products, but uh, the thing, like, we introduce also Japanese culture, right? We, it's not only about selling an item, it's not about selling one, one product, it's, it's, uh, it's, it's selling and introducing a world culture of, um, uh, food and, uh, and so on. So, yeah, we, many on the Facebook page is more about introducing, uh, Japanese culture more, more than our products. And, uh, we talk about that and we, we, we search for uh, um, this kind of yeah, nice pictures on Instagram and we ask uh, sometimes to, to, the to if we can share their, their pictures or we also like do ourselves some uh, cooking here and take pictures or video and, and share, share them on, on the Facebook page
0: and they're usually the the this um kind of repurposing content from Instagram from other instagrammers that's like they're usually pretty receptive to that they're usually okay and, and happy to let you share their photos on your facebook fan page
1: yeah most of them like we knew us so sometimes some also customers or like uh, one of them is a girl from singapore and she she wrote a, a bento recipes book so and we we sell her book on on our shop so i mean it's almo- they're almost like friends, actually.
0: Very cool. So, how do you actually, you know, you're growing this Facebook fan page? You're posting a lot of great content to to grow and get people to come back. How does that actually uh, turn into sales? Like, how are you driving them from the Facebook fan page to, you know, eventually buying uh, products from your store?
1: Um, mostly, like you, you figure out that uh, if you put uh, a link in your Facebook post, it will not show up so well, yeah. right? So. Yeah. Uh, like if we have a really cool products with really nice fun pictures, we are gonna just add the pictures and some text. And sometimes we don't add the, a link into the um, the post. But we got like comments, and we can sometimes in, sometime in the comments say, "Okay, where, where can I buy this?" And mm. we reply to this comment, and we add the link. It, it, it seems it works like better like that. Or like if you want to. Uh, to, to to attract more people, you just like make a post having like really nice GIF or pictures with a link to your shop or product page, and uh, you boost. You have to boost your post. Pay uh, Facebook some yeah.
0: I see. So you you found that when you just post a link directly to your store, uh, Facebook's algorithm does not give it much visibility. But when you're posting, uh, maybe pictures of the bento box, and then. In the comments, you might you include the link. It's usually uh, gets more organic reach. Yes. Very cool. But if you did want to just post a direct link, uh, you got to pay Facebook some money to, to yeah. boost the post. Yeah. Exactly, it works better like that. If you... Makes sense. Cool. So let's talk about uh, Instagram. So the Instagram just uh, traffic that you're driving is that also from your own Instagram or do you work with other influencers on Instagram?
1: We have our own Instagram and. Um... And a lot of customers just like uh share uh pictures of their orders when they arrived or, or a bento they they just prepared, so yeah, it helps a lot a lot and yeah
0: and what's your strategy there for for um you know getting uh more i guess more followers on instagram uh sometimes so during the
1: especially during our in- bento contest every year we we have some hashtags and we ask people to to, to share the hashtag. Mm, yeah, there's no like over special strategy van Sure, this
0: one with Instagram. I think the hashtag thing is important because you guys have a hashtag. Is uh, Bento and Co is the hashtag, and. How do you, you know, I think I think I think hashtags are a great way to kind of uh, concentrate the conversation around, you know, a specific topic. But how do you, like, I guess, begin to promote something like like a hashtag? How do you get people to check out the photos that are being, you know, tagged with Bento and Co? How do you encourage people to start posting photos with using that Bento and Co hashtag?
1: Oh, we so once we didn't have the Bento hashtag, but we have a different one called I Love Bento. Hashtag I love Bento. And we tried this strategy, like um, took a picture of your Bento and shared it with I love Bento. And we thought like if a lot of people tried beginning to, to, to share the hashtag, uh, they're going to, at the end, they're going to understand it's about us and it might work, but actually it didn't work really well. Uh, I think if, if you share a hashtag, it has to be, yeah, the name of your shop or like... Um, uh, unless you are very big already and you can attract a, a lot of uh, of uh, followers uh, viewers, oh, or
0: viewers. I see, so you're not, originally you weren't uh, pushing the Bento & Co hashtag, yes. but you're saying that you need to come up with a hashtag that, that's a little more generic and not based around your brand and then dominate that hashtag. Is that what you're getting at? Uh,
1: yes, but what I wanted, I, I think it's, it's quite difficult if you're like a mm, not big. <laughs> what
0: I mean, you're saying that it's difficult to to um, I guess uh, use hashtags or use hashtags specific to your brand if you're not big. To use
1: hashtag which is not specific to your brand. Hmm, okay, that so makes sense.
0: Cool. Um, so yeah, let's talk about the licensing then. So that's something that is brand new, it sounds like, for you guys. How did you um, come up with, uh, I guess, what's the process? like? How do you even begin, I think there are probably listeners out there too that are thinking about working with others to license their, their products. Uh, give us an idea of like what does it mean to license your product.
1: So we don't license our product. We, we, we bought a license. Uh, we made a contract with actually two brands in Japan okay. uh, to, to use their logo, to use their brand, and to so to and to make bento boxes, uh, with uh, with our logo, and so we when we have the exclusive distributor or exclusive reseller, reseller online.
0: I was say, how did you identify the, these uh, brands to to work with to to purchase their license?
1: So uh, first one is when well, I talk before uh, cooking with dog, a YouTube channel. They have like so one million subscribers on YouTube. Uh, and all their subscribers, they just love Japanese food, so it it was perfect for us. And uh, actually, I don't remember (laughs) exactly, oh yes, Uh, they introduced us in one of their videos last year, last year or two years ago, I don't remember. So, because we also have a shop here, a brick and mortar shop in Kyoto. And so they visited us and they made a video about uh, me and and, uh, our shop in Kyoto, um, and so that's how what, our first contact. And I, we contacted them again, uh, end of last year. And yeah, I was interested to know if they they were okay to to do something to do something more with us. And uh, but at that time they told, yeah, we would like to 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 do something with our brand because we are just like. A, YouTube channel, but we want to also sell products, sell items, and um, so it was just a perfect match between them and us. I mean, they have a really large audience, uh, similar to our customers, and so well-known brand among among our uh, target potential customers. And us at Benton Co, we know how to. Uh, to, to, to buy products from Japanese manufacturer We know how to make products, original products, uh, and we know how to market them and to sell them online or, or in our shop in Kyoto. So yeah, it was a perfect match. And so we had some discussion about uh, what kind of contract uh, we should do. And so we, we ended up with a license contract. So basically, uh, in this contract, we, um, we, we decided um, a percentage of... Uh, and so, like for example, if we're gonna make one thousand bento boxes, and we're gonna sell all of uh, one bento for twenty dollars, we're gonna get them a fee of uh, a few percent uh, to them. That's how it works.
0: That's very cool. So you're identifying brands that already have the target audience that that you are going after, and then partnering with them to. Purchasing, purchase a licensing or work out deal, licensing deal with them. So what are some uh, key terms in a, in a contract like this that you have to, to think about for any, any listeners out there that are thinking about purchasing a license?
1: Uh, first, it has to be exclusive. So we don't want an uh, over-similar uh, brand like us to, to be able to make a bento box with very much chopsticks or like over-lunch goods, actually. So it, it has to be about exclusivity and uh, it's also about um a period of time so we don't want also like uh, if our contract ends in uh, one year and a half i think uh we don't want them to make the uh to 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 be able to sell the same kind of product uh, right away after our contract ends so yeah it was i think the most yeah two things we
0: Mm-hmm. Yes, yeah, so exclusivity and then also a, a kind of a time limit on when they yes. can what. And also, is there a time limit on the not time limit, but is there an expiration date on the licensing deal too? That that's important, like when it will end.
1: Sure. I mean, uh, it's the first time, so for both of them, both of us. So yeah, we decided one year and a half at first. But I'm sure it's gonna be uh, going well, and we're gonna sell a lot of <laughs> of products with them. So I hope we're gonna renew this contract for more than one year or two years after that we'll see mm-hmm.
0: yeah makes sense so I want to talk a little about shipping logistics I think that you you have again a unique perspective here since you sell uh, you know very globally what kind of uh, issues have you run into uh, because you have to ship a sell and ship you know to to all the way around the world
1: also a lot of issues actually <laughs> yeah more than marketing uh, selling online uh, yeah the most important thing the, and the thing maybe I, I like the most is uh, is logistics and uh, so we have customers. We shipped orders in nine, ninety-five different countries until now. Uh, mostly France, U.S., Canada, Australia, Singapore, Hong Kong. But we also have customers every week in Russia, in Israel, in Brazil, in Chile, in Mexico, in China, everywhere. And uh, so, like, it's really super exciting actually. It's really fun to to like just prepare shipment and to ship them everywhere. At first, we used only uh, Japan Post. So they also have like international services, uh, pretty cheap. Uh, but from the beginning, I knew that it was not like so efficient. If we sell, s- ship something by airmail, it, it, it's, it's not very expensive, but it takes time. Sometimes it has 10 days, but sometimes it has one month to wait wow. in Europe or in the US. So I, I guess it's the same in way If you ship something... By USPS, you are not exactly sure when you arrive in Japan or Mm -hmm. or somewhere else. So, uh, from the beginning, I think from from 2010, we had a contact with FedEx here in Kyoto, and uh, it went very well, and they made a very good deal. And so, like all our items, more than 1.5 kilograms, 2 kilograms, it was cheaper for us to ship them by FedEx than. EMS, like uh, Japan Post Express Services. So yeah, we started to work with FedEx and then we started, we have DHL and UPS. And so now, yes, we work with uh, four of them, uh, depending on size, weight, and uh, shipping destination.
0: Wow, so how do you manage all of this because there's so many uh, logistics companies that you're working with?
1: Yes, exactly. So it was a big mess. And uh, even when it was only FedEx and Japan Post, like before Christmas, if you get like 100, 200 orders in one day, yeah. I just spend the whole day like uh, creating shipping labels on the FedEx website. Uh, and yeah, now it's so two years ago, we, we, we knew we had to do something about that. Like instead of spending like three hours or four hours every day uh, to create shipping labels. Uh, so we started to use some app we found on on, um, on Shopify App Store. Uh, I knew ShipStation and Shippo. I guess you you know mm-hmm. some of them. But they were in, at that time two years ago. ShipStation was out because it was not made for uh, Japan based or not US or Canadian based sellers. And Shippo we could use it, but it was not really. Uh, it was like a very, um, it was just at the start, it was not, we didn't have any invoice made for customs. We need an invoice when we ship internationally. It's not only about shipping labels. We need to create an invoice for customs. Uh, there was many issues. It was not a metric, metric system. Was, yeah, things like that. So we end up uh, uh, creating our own system to, to, um, uh, to create shipping labels so we we found a, an api and uh we were able to connect with to integrate with fedex uh dhl and ups and so we made our own system here and uh, and so so like instead of spending like 3 hours creating shipping label it, it became like 1 hour 30 minutes but it was not still not not a, not not so good we have some issues with the api we used so we end up actually making our own system from the beginning, from wow. the start. And uh, so I guess next month we're going to launch this new service on the Shopify App Store. Uh, it's called Ship & Co. After Bento & Co, so it's Ship & Co. <laughs> and uh, so we, yeah, we integrate with uh, FedEx, DHL, UPS, and also Japan Post. And uh, over carrier Japanese carriers are coming soon. And yeah, so this is uh, actually... Uh, Bento and co we have customers everywhere and we end up have many issues uh, with shipping, so we created this on new new thing for us for ourselves, and uh, we ended up to have a new business, actually.
0: Yeah, that's very cool. It seems like you, you're definitely a true entrepreneur. I'm looking at your site, and if we have more time, I'd, I would have loved to have gone into this, like things like your, you have a, uh, a uh, 4G pocket Wi-Fi rental business, personal shopper service, and now you're looking to uh, launch an app in the Shopify app store. So speaking of the Shopify app store, are there any other apps that you rely on to help you run the business?
1: Yes. So, uh, let me... Check
0: Yeah, us
1: uh, well. <laughs> we use uh, Mailchimp a lot. It's not actually uh, on your Shopify, but it's connected to Shopify, right? Sure. So we use we use Mailchimp like uh, a lot. We 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 send about uh, five to six newsletters per month uh, to our. We have two lists: one list in French, one list in English. Customers uh, about fifty. 50 yeah, fifty thousand uh, customers. That's right. We we use uh, a lot of um, we use back in stock. Really helpful. It's a cheap. Really good uh, good app. So like customers get um, an automat- um a notification when products are back in stock. So we could just we can uh, add their email on the product page when it's out of stock, and they get a notification when it's back. Um, we use also yachtpo for reviews, and Withersian um, it's an affiliate program, and uh, uh, yeah, it's it's about all. Mm-hmm. And the uh, ship and call the one we made for.
0: <laughs> Very cool. So that's coming out, uh next month. You said yes on Shopify. Yeah. Awesome. So, what uh, what other plans do you have for the uh, remainder of this year? What are some goals that you want to hit with uh, Bento and Co?
1: So, uh, we do a lot of B two B actually. Also, and since two years we uh, we do some trade shows all around the world, and so we had some booths uh, in France, in Chicago at Houseware Show, in 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 Australia, in some gift gift show all around the world, and so we, we present. Uh, a few Japanese manufacturers uh, all of them they don't they don't export they they don't actually they have some they have some language issues uh, obviously they, they don't speak or write or uh, read english uh, so they don't work a lot with um, uh, other countries and uh, we we, so we have some contract with uh, big ma- Japanese bento box and kitchenware manufacturers, and we export their products. And to export, we have so this over Shopify B two B web shop, and we do some trade shows. And this year we have three trade shows, three more trade shows. There you go one in France, uh, one in uh, Melbourne in Australia, and one in New York. Uh, so these are big project for us. Also, we have this uh, licensed product coming. Soon uh, next year, next month, I guess, with uh, Cooking with Dog, the YouTube channel. So I hope like <laughs> it gonna yeah uh, brings us a lot of new customers uh, thanks to their very cool Japanese food recipes video on YouTube. And uh, we have also so this new business Ship and Co. Uh, we're gonna launch, launch it on the App Store, Shopify App Store, but we also connected to uh, eBay and soon Magento, PrestaShop and uh, also some Japanese uh, shopping platform. So actually, I spend more time on Ship&Co than Bento&Co. Mm-hmm. Uh, so yeah, I think next year, the Ship&Co service, online service, will bring more revenue to the company than Bento boxes.
0: Wow, yeah, I think that's uh, great that you're able to kind of set up your business of bento co in a way that you can you know, step away and focus on other things. Very cool. So, you know, thanks so much for your time, Thomas. So bentoandco.com is the website, B-E-N-T-O-A-N-D-C-O.com. Um, and anywhere else you recommend a listeners check out if they want to follow along with what you are up to?
1: So I'm on LinkedIn. If you can find me on Thomas Bertrand. And uh, through Bento and Co on the About page, About Us page, uh, there's a short story about me. And uh, if you contact us uh, through... Uh, uh, i would be happy to 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 reply myself
0: awesome so if anybody has any logistics questions it sounds like a good way to to reach out to you especially since you are releasing uh, an app soon so cool thanks again so much for your time thomas thank you very much thanks for listening to shopify masters the e-commerce marketing podcast for ambitious entrepreneurs to start your store today visit shopify.com for a free 14-day trial